Crossfade. The Daily Talk Show. A conversation sometimes worth recording with Josh Jansen and Tommy Jacket. It's a Daily Talk Show, everyone, from LA. We're in, uh, what part we're, are we in, guys? We're in Studio, Studio City, City Studio within City. the City of Angels. Okay, great. Named it's after named the, after all the movie studios that are here in sweet, sweet Studio City. Mm-hmm. And the voices you're was hearing. That right? I thought it was because of studio apartments. Just a lot of sad people <laughs> no. in, in no, singles trying to. No, it's because like, we have like the, we have the different lots over here. Oh, We've man. got the Universal so Studios and the DreamWorks Studios. I don't and get it. The, yep, you're right. You might recognize the voices, Amira and Greg from Maybe It's You podcast. Yes. Maybe it's your podcast. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And you might not even recognize my voice because it's going. <laughs> yeah, it does so. seem a little, a little, a little raspy. Yeah, we've we've been doing a lot of podcasts, and it was much worse than this. And I'm so I was glad right about whose back. voice belonged to who because I listened to the oh, podcast, cool. and then I was like, man, I wonder which one. <laughs> and I was right. Really, I was what, right. Did it yeah, come I just to had you? the one photo and the. What was the telltale signs yeah. without being too hurtful? <laughs> Be really hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> You seem sweeter and Definitely. you seem cooler. I yeah, don't know if that's, that's true. true. Oh. But you see, no, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> that, like, like, is that so accurate? I mean, I was trying to show my new fancy New Balance shoes as you're do. doing to put you off yeah. with my coolness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like your New Balance it's, shoes. They're pretty cool. They, I, the only reason I get them is because they fit a wide foot, which is probably less, less of a he, cool story. And here's the thing. That doesn't mean that you can't have both things, but what people would notice about you first is like, oh, that guy seems pretty sweet. And you're like, that guy might be a little bit cool for me. And then you meet him, you're yeah. not, you don't, you don't, I don't feel intimate. But at first I'm like, that's the guy that's going to be. <laughs> An asshole. Yeah. No, well, maybe you're just like, you yeah. know, yeah. He's, he's, no, read, he's read the game or whatever, <laughs> maybe a pickup art. He's, he's more likely to peacock yeah. potentially I, right. than, right. Um, right. than I I'm, am. I'm, I like to come across more gentle now that I'm married and I've got a 19-month-old baby. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank, thank you. That's exciting. That's, yeah. So I, I think that hopefully brings me down. To a sweeter level. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you both have very sweet energy and demeanors. Oh, thank you. So we're yeah. Australian. Maybe yeah, it's just, it could be that. Could be. Yeah, I do enjoy Australians. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to say, what's cool is it could be actually creepy, Greg, for you, for when you were in Australia doing your comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've now got someone from the audience in your house. It's true. Because that could end up really badly. Yeah, that, no. that is me. Or no. really great. And that's Josh. Well, uh, what was so it? So 2012, I was actually going through my Facebook messages. So in 2012, we, uh, Bree and I uh, went to the headliners and we saw Holy we saw you there. Did we, did we, did we talk? Did we? I Facebook messaged you and I was like, you were our favorite part of the show because you were talking. Remember, you talk a lot about this is how we connect. You talk about food. Tick, fucking love food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, you, t- you have the, you know, you talk about me being sort of the, the softer one. I feel like we both have potential female qualities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, Mine aren't um, potential, they're actual female qualities. Sure, an extra cup of girl in the mix. Fem- yeah. Feminine, exactly. Extra cup of girl, yeah. yeah very femme. And um, so, no, there was a, a lot of relatability in what you were talking oh, about. And, and so we did, so Brie and I uh, not only saw you on, on in 2012, but we then saw you again when you had the, the, sh- the show with the clown pants. I feel like you, you wore clown oh, pants. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're the, the um, clown from the neck down, which yeah. was when I came out with Dave, my podcast partner. Uh-huh. And we did the podcast out there as well, the walk in the room thing. And I, yeah, that was part of the, yeah. Wow, do you, do you nice. miss being able Very to shamelessly good. wear clown pants? I do a little bit. There are days where they fit better than other pants. You know, they've got an <laughs> elasticity and they a little bit more room a, for... Greg, yeah. don't let anyone tell you you can't wear cl- clown pants. Well, it's not, it's not that I can't. It's that I won't get the things I need if I wear them. <laughs> uh, they don't help me. They don't take me forward in the world. They regress me in a certain especially way. Especially with teen daughters. 
Yeah. 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 If they come home and he's wearing clown pants, they're like, nope. Yeah, but yeah. they're they're just about to hear because I wanted to, to explain. Do you remember? I don't know who you're who when you saw the triple headliner or who you saw, but just if my daughter's listening to this for any reason, John Mulaney was on the show, so he liked me more than John Mulaney. I'm just saying <laughs> that's possible because they love. Mulaney, yeah, they've watched all of the, his specials yeah. three times. What, yeah. what, was it Mulaney? What a, <laughs> I know it's Todd Berry. One well, of the well, biggest energy of, shifts in the house is when the kids want to talk about John Mulaney. Is it like having kids, is it sort of like having trolls at home all the time? Like, do you feel like you get tr- trolls? Well, no, it's just by virtue of the way they live, I find it effective. Like, I, they're lovely to me, but just what they like makes me go, oh, oh really? Because I don't, yeah. what he's doing, it doesn't, you know, like you, it's just, you know, it's a little, it, you feel time, yeah. you know, you see time and also you see what it's like for a young person to like something that's new and you're like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. How old are the kids now? Uh, 16 and 13. Yeah, we have two okay. girls. 16, woof. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, dreading those days for my young son. I, and you might hear, yeah, hey, yeah. That's oh I've got God. a fifth person we, on the podcast. We, we have so many dogs here, and they're so noisy. And we apologize Do, to the listener that have to listen to them drink water or pants near me. the microphone. It's not me making that <laughs> yeah. sound. And do any of the dogs have anxiety? Yeah, no, not these ones. Have no okay. fear, no, not these ones. I've, yeah. I've had dogs with anxiety, and it is not not a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm dealing with my own anxiety. I don't need to worry about um, yep. another hey, dog as come well. Here. Topper, come here. Topper. Enough, man. What are you doing? Topper's named after the drummer of The Clash. Sit down. Okay, great. So if people have engaged, you guys are married? We've been married for 18 years. Yes. Yeah. Yes, together for about 20. Okay. And you've got your book that's just come out? Yes. How to Keep Your Marriage from Sucking. Yes, we we wrote a book. We've 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 written other books in the past, but but this is part one of our marriage series, mm-hmm. uh, and it's for like like engagement through the first five years of marriage, and then the follow up is coming out next year, and that's called "We Used to Be in Love and Now We Work Here," and that's for all of like the different four worses and when yeah. kids come along and and uh, fuck up your couple dumb and that kind of <laughs> stuff. It. Well, I'm in the thick of it. I'm, I'm two years in to marriage. Yes. And 19 months into fatherhood. fatherhood. That's so exciting. So is there a question that you could ask me that would pull out some details to tell you whether my marriage is... <laughs> This is slightly well, dangerous. I think we'd rather you ask the question. Like, we don't, like, you watch other couples and go, man, they aren't asking, we're not saying. You know, right. like, the one right. thing I've learned about self-help is it it only comes when somebody puts a question at the end. Like, if people tell you stuff in life and you start going, you know what you ought to do? If you start with, you know what you ought to do? Yeah, right. No yeah. one asked, and they yeah. don't want to know. Yeah. Right. Most of the time, I realize, like, that people really don't want to know until they really do. Mm. Um, um and sometimes it's a shame because you're like, man, like you could have, I could have told you that. I, I, I know we made it. all the, we'd all, made all the mistakes. We figured out, we figured out so much later into our marriage that we had planted all these fantastic landmines for each other to step on, or didn't pay attention to, or didn't pay attention, or didn't set boundaries, or respect boundaries, yeah. or made accommodations that you don't you don't think of in the early days, especially when things are relatively new, where you have a, a you know you have an infant, yeah. and all of a sudden, if it works once, that's what happens. No one's discussed it. It might it might not be okay five years from now, but it's already set in stone mm. because there's no conversations and it worked the one time with the baby and so that's what happens or you're the guy that does that and you find that you know you get years into a marriage and you feel invisible or you're not being heard you're not being considered or you didn't agree to this situation that you're in or you're always conceding or you're getting the short end of the stick and it's because we make these accommodations and agreements without actually conversing and agreeing upon them it just happens so should should you be trying to put your worst self 
Ford then in some regards? Well, well you you were always I think it's just you. a bonus of being I, in a long-term relationship. I, I also think most people really are th- themselves. There really isn't that. I mean, you know, you think you've got, like, I've got different sides and people don't know. And they're like, no, I could see it. I could, <laughs> I could tell, you know. And sometimes people see things that you don't even. But um, uh, it's, it's about accepting, A, that um, uh, the person you picked you know, there's no person that's not, you're, this is a very common thing with every married couple. It's like everybody gets to this point. You also, you get old and one day you go, fuck, I'm going to leave at some point. You know, you have this mortality thing and you go, am I having the life I really want? Yeah. And how come I'm not getting the things I should have gotten? And so there's also that perspective of suddenly you, you start going back and trying to figure out how you're going to get happy again or be different or whatever. And, and the person who is going to get all the blame for that will be your spouse. Cause they're the closest mm-hmm. and they're the ones that limited my possibilities or they didn't encourage me when I should have. Um, and so that's, there's sort of an imaginary thing that you do too. So you have to kind of look at all of that going forward, knowing that that's out there. It just makes it easier. Just yeah. go, look, here's a bridge you might cross. Here's another bridge you might cross. You know, um, uh, some people, uh, when bad things happen, pull back. Some people, when bad things happen, get too close. You know, you have to look at your person and realize, look, what they're doing the best with what they, you know, with what they have. You know, I think I've I've grown in empathy for couples that have, uh, I guess, called it quits years later after the kids have left home, because having the kid, and like it's survival mode, right? It's, Absolutely. It's like Absolutely. We've, I mean, Amy, my wife, and I, we've had to, you know, we talk a lot. And so we are very open in the dialogue of our marriage and, and what's going on. But if we weren't, you could see how it's just like you're zoned in on this kid. Right. And Here's the kid. I'm going to do this work, money, and exactly. It's, uh, it's so, and, and you so stop. Hard. And you stop being the first consideration in the relationship. You're you're no longer her number one first thought of the day yeah. or first thought at any time, and and vice versa. But there also is. Here's the thing that you don't realize is your son is 19 months old, so he probably goes to bed at 7 or 8 o'clock at night. 7 on the dot. Right? So you still have nighttime together yeah. where you can actually be a couple and finish conversations and what have you. When your kids get older and they're not going to bed till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 2 a.m. with ACT testing or whatever, yeah. like there, you absolutely get so disconnected and the time for the relationship or the the couple, the the, the marriage relationship... That's the first thing that goes because mm. the other things can't wait. You can't you can't change that their schedule is the important one and their needs are the important things. And so the first thing to go is each other or because because then you throw in your obligations of your job and then your family before you got married, like your parent, your parents need things from you. Your siblings need things from you. And the, the thing that you th- you We're really assume. selling it. We're really making no, it. No, but sound. you assume. You assume. Well, we my really person knows like, I love them, so they're cool it. if I don't deal with them today. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're the first one to be, um, you Get know, to be disregarded because you assume that your love is strong enough, it's elastic enough that we can stretch it and it's going to bounce back because we both know we love each other. So it's fine if I fuck you over in favor of the child, the my parents, in. my job, what have you. Do you want to put them outside? Sorry, guys. Our, oh, that's our, okay. our, our dogs literally are. Um, <laughs> Greg's not heckling a mirror. They want. <laughs> they want the all of the attention right now. Oh, 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 oh! Wait, 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 Greg! Oh. <laughs> yes, we'll have to time. We'll have to time stamp this. Time stamp this part for yeah, editing. This is perfect. You want to take Buddha too? Buddha's over here. Buddha out, and don't throw three dogs into the mix of what we've been talking about. The kids, the marriage. Not even, ki- not even kidding. 
it is, is harder. And, and then career on top of all of that. Yes. I mean, it, yes. What, what have you found with having kids, dogs, and then having those responsibilities where you are in survival mode plus a marriage and then also wanting to have a career? It's you know it can it can be really challenging for, and for a long time for for you know the first I would say the first few years of having kids Greg traveled a lot for stand up. After that you know we started writing the books and we started having you know shows and work in town and we worked together a lot. Um, and and so there there was sort of that thing where we were forced together for work um, during that period, and then he went back on the road again. So there's a lot of times where he was traveling for work, and I was sort of single parenting. And there were times when we were working together, and the kids were, you know, when we could see them, and my parents helped out. But there's also been times when it's just not. If he's traveling for work, I don't have time to work. I have to be like full time mom. And pick up, you know, writing jobs here and there. But, but you know, you have to raise your children. You can't just expect them to be raised by the internet or other people. Like, if you want them they to be... They cannot be raised by the internet. No, you want them to be <laughs> good people so, and feel worthy an app, and I secure. Thought... You're, they, they have to be important to their parents. There's, I mean, it just is that thing. So, it, it, it is... There have been times where I've gone years without working because having kids really is... Especially young young kids is it's full time. How do you how do you balance that especially with say having one spouse who might do a, a job that's quite individualistic and by design if it's mm-hmm. something in entertainment they're right. traveling a lot is there actually a conversation where it's like uh Greg gets two years to do the thing that he wants to do and then you'll you know come back and be at home a lot or like, do, do you feel that there needs to be that constant? Well, I, I do think there needs to. It needs to be agreed upon. Mm. You know, we I didn't mean, have a big. I mean, we we. Um, I mean, look for us. The being able to go on the road was a nice. I mean, most people don't get that sort of gap in the relationship. So there's a downside that you're not there with your kids, but there's also that you're also not in the way. Yeah. There's certain points in time where you're just not needed in a house full of women. People are happy. Sometimes they don't even know you've left. Uh, I did this is true and this is in my stand up act up there was a day where my daughter uh, called me and said daddy are you upstairs and I'm like I'm in Denver (laughs) for three days for three three days days. (laughs) so how are you and then she just she texted me she just sent a bunch of emojis but yeah they but so you do sort of like you know it's uh, we've both been sort of as far as work goes but open to the idea and look both of us are like like if she got a show or something quit stand up in a second and come home yeah, I you know I love it, but I I'd be happy to, to do you know the stuff around here wouldn't you know be okay with me. Um, it's a the road but I, is. But I definitely think you know like our our kids are old enough now that they're pretty self sufficient at thirteen and sixteen. Our sixteen year old, you know, bringing home the bacon. And no, money well, she, she does have a job. Yeah, she does have a job, and she's also a student and she's a dancer. But mm-hmm. you know, she could you know. She could drive them to school. They can make a meal. Like they might, there you can leave them at home alone. But you know, there are times when it just was not possible for me to work. Yeah, so they can drive at sixteen by themselves. Yes, yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. What is it? What is it? Where you live? Eighteen. 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 That's probably good. Yeah, and you can start drinking. I've at never 18. been any- at sort of, eighteen. Also, yeah. So good mix. Well, get your license. Those that, really shouldn't go together. Nah, no, no, not ideal. I shouldn't have had my li- license at sixteen, though. Definitely no, not. No, no, no. You're you're wrong. You're wrong. Let me say something. The, the <laughs> I find that best drive because I went all over Australia. That's the best driving I've ever seen. I was like, when I was like, what? 
are we going 50? And then I looked at I'm like, everyone's going the same speed. <laughs> like, that's not how it is here, man. You yeah. go 150 if you can. And yeah. then, and then, uh, and then just stay with traffic as fast as traffic goes. Nobody signals, everybody just cruise around and then, and then someone gets in an accident and that's why our roads are all screwed up because nobody down here knows how to drive in that very sort of insane way where I thought like people obey the rules here in Australia. So yeah. it's very, that extra two years makes people either really respectful of it or cautious, but I found it to be like wildly different. I don't know if how many of you have done some driving around here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I had driven, I've hit, driven here a few times. Uh, when we arrived into LA yesterday, it was what we could probably only describe as a fucking nightmare. Yeah, a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say clusterfuck, but uh, right. no, because uh, we went to uh, pick up the rental car, booked it through uh, rentalcars.com, went to Alamo. The That's not rental- a plug. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is the opposite. No, we're bringing it, ar- <laughs> we're bringing it around for uh, what's the opposite of a plug, an unplug. Yeah. Yes. Um, no, so we uh, we rock up. I mean, it's my fuck up too. But no, we've we've gone to the counter or to the self check in. It turns out my driver's license expired the fourth of October, twenty eighteen, the day that we arrived in LA. No. And so we couldn't even we couldn't actually change the the main booking driver oh to someone else. So we lost the the booking, and so we're we're Uber Xing around the joint, which yeah. is okay. Look, we don't have to worry about parking, right? Which, right. Which, which is That's good. what I would have said. I recommend it in the first place because you don't want to drive, park, find a place, get the valet. Everywhere you have to go, your valet, which is, yeah. I mean, it's nice to have so many valet, but it's, you know, 10, 20 bucks, you know, like here, there, tipping, all that kind of stuff. It's a lot. And, and, uh, and we're either stopped in traffic or once people are finally able to go, they gun it. People gun it. I yeah. mean, it's just the wild west out here. You well, know? When you're in Australia, what was the difference in the audience? Uh, no, I mean, you've got one in your house, it's true. but one into the American <laughs> stand-up audience. It's there's a weird like um, anytime you travel, there's just a weird sort of immersement period where you don't know why something doesn't translate, and you're like, is it because? And I think sometimes it's just finding a sort of a there's a rhythm. You pick up a few words here and there. There's just a little bit of ease so that people get you a little bit because you you think well, I mean, we're, we all speak English, so yeah, they should get it. But I think sometimes you come at it a different way, or your your persona maybe a little bit rough, or it, there's just a way of like I would like. But the thing I always tell you is like find something to talk about. From there, don't just talk about you. They're yeah. not that interested. Yeah. You're not that interesting. <laughs> so you know, I had this long bit about the Tim Tams because they were on my fucking bed when I got there, and I thought they were stupid, and I was gonna throw them away, and then I got I couldn't stop eating them. It was problematic, and so that seemed to people, you know, that. And then there was um, there. You always had a shooting. It was rare. It was in a. It was in a. Um, it was in a vegetable place uh, like you guys have like veg- a supermarket a no, but it was just a, a it was just a, a store that, uh, just a yeah a veg, veggie shop or whatever like a fruit and we and don't veg have shop. that yeah, like sure. I was like I go that would never happen in America because we don't have a veggie shop there's no place <laughs> yeah, our, ours are in no place. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah 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 um and so like just sort of finding something like that and then all of a sudden people are okay with you and it's a weird thing but it does make a difference if you acknowledge I'm not from here I'm also trying not to take the, the typical tact of the things that I know are different. I'm going to try and see if I have an experience that, you know, um, makes it, and then you're usually pretty good, Mm -hmm. you know, some words, some, some ways of going about the, what's important to you and what's important to us kind of thing. You know, sometimes you're, you know, what, what a target means here and a target means there are different things or, you know, something like, you know, did you find the Australian crowds less cynical than the American crowds? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. They were warmer. 
I like the comics. I like the Australian comics a lot. That I, it felt like there, when I was there, like I was out with Hannah and... Um, Hannah Gatsby? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hannah was on... It, we did the tour. The, uh, I, did the, I was, did a month in Melbourne and then did the tour. And um, Adam Rosenbach mm-hmm. and Amos Gill and um, Ernie, the two... There's a, anyway, double act. But there was a bunch of really great comics. Um, and they were... I liked them a lot. That's all good. Hey, do you, as a comic, are you expecting the crowd is there and they want to laugh? Like, do you go in going... Yeah, they're here to laugh. So yeah, what I've, is that I've, filter? I've got them a little bit or... Yeah. You, they're never... You're, they, the idea that they're there to laugh, they're there to find out if they want to laugh. They're not there to... <laughs> nobody comes out and goes, I am in the mood to laugh. And then they laugh. They come out and they go, I don't know. Unless they've like, been smoking a bit of... Yeah, uh, I'm hoping to <laughs> yeah. laugh. Yeah. I'm really... I'm, yeah. But I'm not like... It's not like I'm going to do the fucking work without you doing the work first. I'm not in a... Like a lot of times we were very suspect. So especially if they don't know you. You know, mm-hmm. once you have fans, then it's a whole different thing. But when they're, you know... I've heard this guy's okay, but I'm going to see for myself. Yes, and I think, I'll too, be the judge of that. Yeah, and I, I always think, why would you go see an American if you don't like them? Maybe just to know that I don't care for them. Yeah. And I was correct. <laughs> what, yeah. What's the um, what's it like working together? Do you find that? And what was the the first dabbling in doing that? Say with through the podcasts, through the books. We first we first started working together when we were still dating before we got married. We. Uh, we took a stab at writing together. Well, here's what I was in a development deal at HBO, and I had these two guys from uh, Third Rock writing a script for me, and I brought it uh, brought it over to her place one day, and she read it, and she was like, "What? What is? What is this meant to be funny?" And I was like, "That's okay already." Uh, and she goes, "No, it just doesn't make any sense." And so she sort of went through the script with, and I'm like, "You're a record executive, like you know how?" Do you, and she had just really great instincts, and she's funny, and so eventually we said, "Let's." Let's yeah. write a script together, Yeah, well, right? we, we, we kind of rewrote the script and like, this is, you know, what if we approached it this way? We wrote it just as an exercise. And somebody read it and, le- or I think we gave it back to the writers and they liked the direction we came at and they rewrote, anyway, it didn't move forward, but we decided to pitch a show together and we sold the pitch to Fox when I was still working in the music Mm-hmm. business and so we started writing together when we were still just dating and we mm-hmm. went we did sort of like in fits and starts like we would you know work on a project and also i i mean i don't know what it's what it's like where you live but here it's you're you're in development forever and barely anything moves forward yeah, yeah. you know it's like a very long process and it, and with very little money for the amount of time you're putting into it and and generally it's not going to go anywhere. So it's like a joint hobby to start with. It's almost like a joint hobby. Yeah. 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 It's like you can sell a pitch and then for seven months you get to go through the exercise of writing a script and trying to appease people who've decided now they want a monkey in it or that what if, you know, they, they want their ideas in your thing too. And you keep changing it to fit their notes. And then they're like, well, thanks for, thanks for coming, but no, thank you. But also the time there, when, when I, um, you know, this is in the, uh, late nineties, the, there was only the, there were the three big networks and a couple right. of fledgling networks and HBO. And, um, uh, and then the, there was the beginning of the comedy centrals and all that. So there weren't that many you places, know, places doing you script could, to comedy. Yeah. And also, um, but it was also the days where like, if you were a comic and you were white and you were moderately funny, it was possible to get development deal after development deal after development deal. If you had a solid point of view, just a simple point of view. And I made a record called Uncool, which was just about being too, feeling too old at concerts at 40. And it just got developed and developed and developed, you know. And um, Are you seeing um, cash for those stages? Like those, those? those were uh, those were unreal. Yeah. Those would be like half, yeah, it'd be like a quarter of a million dollars for, yeah. 
And then they put you in another one and then they'd put you in another one. And you were like, and it was really like, you were very, very lucky. Um, and no one even said, can he act? I don't know if you know. We gave, we just gave <laughs> yeah. him a quarter of a million dollars. But, like, it, yeah. but it would literally just be All like this stretch of time Carrier. and then it would go away. And then a new, a new project would come in that would go away. Yeah. But so we started writing books, you know, after Greg was consulting on Sex and the City. But we, we, had, we had developed scripts together, sold pitches together that never turned into pilots. And then we started uh, writing when the idea of the, when, you know, Greg uttered the magical phrase at the writing room at Sex and the City. And he came home one day and said, oh, my God, Liz thinks he's just said that into you should be a book. And I was like, it totally should be a book. Are you yeah. kidding me? And I was like, he's like, I don't want to write it. I'm like, I'll write it. Let's do it. The Baltimore you know? Improv. Let's man. do I got, it. I got a fan base. <laughs> and, and I'm, yeah. making, I'm selling records out of my, I'm selling CDs out of my basement. So it's, it's I don't know be if I have time to write a book. Yeah. What does the collaboration actually look like? Like to to not like this. <laughs> like to, <laughs> do you have to do one of you have a crack at at a first go and then the other tears it to shreds? What what does that look like? You know, for 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 it's interesting because when we did, you just had that into you. Like I I would I would write like Liz would send something and then I would write something and then he would write on top of me or I would write something and and he would write on top of me and send it to Liz. Like we would go back and forth like that. And then for the second book that was just us and not Liz. We literally would just email each We'd sit next to each other and email each other. We'd write our things and be like, what do you think of this? Can you make this funnier or better or write something about this? And we would just email back and forth. And with the different scripts that we've done, there's a lot of um, Greg Paces and talks. And we and we talk and I, I write it in. Or we'll, sometimes he'll be in a different place and we'll FaceTime and both be like in a shared document in Google Docs or Final Draft Shared or whatever. And, and it's and, just as fun as it sounds. And yeah. it just is, there's, there's, it's there's, there's sounds, very... It sounds romantic. Like, it sounds like a, a process that could bring you closer together. Did you find it, that it, it did? For a while it did, and then it divided <laughs> us like crazy. Great yeah. shaking his head. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, th- I think, um, I, you know, I had not uh, I had no intention of writing, being a, I mean, uh, uh, or writing, it really. I came here to do stand-up, and then I didn't have a plan. I'm, I'm sort of like that. And... Um, and then I ended up getting this consultant work, which was you'd go in and just be, you know, pitch on ideas, but you never had to write a script. You just, you know, so I was at Sex and the City for five years, just coming in saying that that guy shouldn't have a purse or whatever, anything, <laughs> you know, anything that like was just meant to be from my point of view. And we talked about a lot of stuff. And then, um, so when this opportunity came up, um, and also, or when I wrote stuff, it had nothing to do with romantic comedy or whatever. I would, I mean, I wrote a thing about a band of trolls that came to the surface of the earth. Like that was where... My head was at. So when we started writing together, we didn't really have a thing. But for me, I need someone to think I'm hilarious and then I say funny things and then it works. And so if we don't have that dynamic, I don't know what we're writing. I find it very hard. Um, and so after a while, you can, you can only find your partner so funny. Right. Like you're only as you're, you're especially if you live together, you're married, you work together, you parent right. together, like you're around each other a lot. It, or when you realize some of the jokes are real. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he really is incapable of they said yeah. it in his act. Yeah. I didn't yes. I thought he was kidding. No, he can't do anything and he's gonna leave yeah. Well you get yeah. to know your partner so well. I even know like when I'm in a social situation with my wife and she I can I know the joke she's setting up and sure. just like I just like sit back. Yeah, I've heard this one before. I've heard this story. It's I could imagine there's a, a similar vibe of that where you kind of you know each other so well. Yeah. And so you definitely. Yeah, but also you know, coming back to what we were talking about relationships earlier like you know we got into this habit of 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 um for a while, like he was, he was just like walking around and spitballing and I was typing, but a lot of times I would be typing my thoughts or my things and he's talking and I'm not even listening to him. And then I'm not giving him, 
I'm not giving him the laughter that he deserves from what he's saying because I'm not listening to him. And then his things get lost because mm-hmm. he didn't write them down and I wasn't writing them down. And then all of a sudden you find the thing that worked a month ago or on the last project is now in a, in a different place and you have to make adjustments. But it's already like, well, it worked so great. Why can't we keep doing that? And I'm like, well, because I'm I, I need to do it a different way now because mm-hmm. I I can't do both of us. Mm-hmm. You need to do you and I need to do me. And he's like, but no, I like working that way. And I'm like, I, but I can't. <laughs> so, you know, it is that thing where like the first, the first thing to be thrown under the bus is. But all my best ideas come out of conversation. Yeah. And she doesn't want to have a conversation. I'm like, I don't understand how to do that. Because a lot of times I'm like, I just have to get this out of my brain. I got to, and he's like, but I want to talk about it. I'm like, no, no, shh, 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 shh. Right. But that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it has, so there's been times when it's worked really well. And there's been times when it's been a bummer and created conflict because Neither of us are getting what we need out of it. And then it makes the project struggle or not feel harmonious. Yeah. Have you worked out a way to sort of hack it, as they say, sort of in the tech world? So coming up with a mechanism so that you can almost fake that sort of vibe? Like, yeah, podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. No, truly. So we started yeah. this. So I was, I felt like with this last book, I'm like, I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to do this without conversation. Like most of the time, even with buddies, you know, you have an idea, somebody goes, let's do this. And you're like, oh, wait. Here's what we should do. And that because fuck, right. And then we can, right. Yeah. And we never have right. that. You keep improving upon each other. Right. And we were not generating ideas or having conversation. And uh, I was like, I don't really know what to write. And I don't feel that excited about marriage. So I'm really not interested in talking about it. So I said, we should do a podcast, blah, blah, blah. She resisted. And I don't know about that. And I was like, let's just do it. And then we started talking. And then the conversation got really real. And some of them were hard and some of them were intense. And there were times, times I'm sure, where the people who produced the podcast, like, no, they're not coming back. They're not going to come back. <laughs> not after that one. How does Greg die? They come back after that. And and I found that that really started to like get that part of it loosened up. So we mm-hmm. remember stuff. Or you can go back and listen to the podcast, and they're all captured there. And and I think for us, it also just you start to hear what the other person's saying because you forget what they're actually like when you're with them, and you get a little bit. Well, you forget and go, what they're actually like when you both are being on your best behavior and listening. Yeah. Yeah. And then being thoughtful before you respond as opposed to going, well, I already know what you're going to think because yeah. we have this history where you do that and I'm still mad about this. But, but, but also when you're you forced don't... To, when you're forced to be in a position where you know people are listening and, and you have to... But also you reveal things you. about yourself that you wouldn't, A, there's questions you wouldn't ask if you were just at home because you, know, you think you know the answer. And B, suddenly when people are talking in this way, they reveal things about themselves. And you're like, I didn't... I don't even think I've ever even asked you that. Yeah. Wow. And then you start to realize like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe the things I think are wrong. You know, one of the, that's what we call it. Maybe it's you, meaning where you think to yourself, oh, maybe it's me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you, I'm dude. the one like, creating this issue. Yeah, maybe you're, yeah. Like I'm the, oh, maybe I have this all wrong because you're so, so you get really certain of yourself when you're in a marriage for a long time. And I, I know that when I'm certain there's a, maybe a 99% chance that I'm wrong yeah. about everything. <laughs> Truly. If I say something emphatically, I, I am usually wrong. I come out and I go, and let me tell you something. This is how it's going to go. And then it's not going to go that way at all. Tommy and I always uh, joke about all for content, which is just this idea that anything that you do in life is a content opportunity or like ABC, always be contenting. Um, 
yeah. That's my new favorite yeah. thing. So, it's I mean, like always be closing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? Always be contenting. That's so, great. I mean, but how do you... Dog um, breaks its leg. Great content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Every good story. Literally the only way that we can get through some of the, you know, shit that happens when you travel or anything like that is it's like at least like if I shit my pants right now because I need to go to the toilet, there could be a story it's in gonna it. It's going to be a great yeah. podcast yeah. when we discuss yeah. that Potentially. one. That's so funny. I mean, but so do you have to be wary of turning your relationship into just a big content session. Yeah. Every opportunity is that yeah. the interactions that you're having or the uh, the moments where you might be having a fight. Is there a little bit where it's like, actually, I'm enjoying this because this is this is something that could be used as content or even within the context of the recording the podcast saying getting off on let's be fucking really honest that it might actually... You know, it's so funny because I, I swear every time we finish a podcast and then we have to go and do the intro for it, I'm like, yeah. what did we talk about? I have <laughs> no... It's literally like it leaves my brain. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish I was as as wired or connected to be always be contenting because I feel like I would be able to, you know, expand my opportunities in life if I were because I, I am... Um, I don't. I wish yeah. I did. Do you? I, I've gone both ways with it. You know, like there's times where I feel like, God, I just put too much self out there about myself and I now I've made people worry or, you know, I'm, I, maybe I don't, maybe I wish I was more private. And I also, there's days where I'm like, I want to walk away from the internet and everything all together. You know, yeah. um, uh, I go through big news boycotts of like, I just can't take it. My, just, my heart can't take it. You know, there's just too much that makes, you know, I'll, I'll get lured in and I'll start thinking about, Oh, why is the president? And then I, you know, I go down this path of some of stuff I can't do anything about. Yeah. You know, unless I go out and, and the way that I do affect change is by creating content. But I think like with stand up, you get these things. And by the time they get to the stage, they're sort of half truths. And, you know, they're things that you've sort of made specifically funny. On the other hand, the being I think if you're listening to something and you listen to two people have a discussion where it's a little edgy or they don't agree, I think you you have an opportunity to get somebody with that. Telling people shit they already know is no big deal. Yeah. Everybody knows you're supposed to be a good person and not a shitty right. one. Everyone knows you're supposed to come from love and blah, blah, you know, blah. What you what we like is to be mindful. <laughs> yeah. But to like, you know, last week, Amir and I talked about, you know, I struggle with a, I have a bipolar diagnosis and I was like, I should, we should just talk about that because I think people listen to the show and go, what the fuck? He was on a whole different thing last week. Yeah. I thought, you know, it's an important thing to say. And sure enough, people start writing me and telling me. And, right. Um, uh, and that's a, I think that's a good thing because I think, um, people then feel like, oh, okay. All right. Maybe <laughs> that's what's I happening. Understand but what's what about, happening? Like if you don't even understand it yourself, can it be hard to be communicating it? Cause it's like, no, you, you might just be tell people this, that yeah. you say, look, I don't understand what's going on. Look, yeah. we're not perfect. This is not a marriage we're telling you to have. Mm. This is what we've seen. These are the things I think as an, as a person who's been around longer, this is what I have to offer because Hard conversations are hard conversations, and but you you'll wish you'd said these things first. You wish you'd said, "Look, maybe every year we sit down and talk. Do we do we want to renegotiate for another year?" It's a silly thing to say, but what you're saying is, let's look at the way we're going about stuff, and are you happy? Let's not build up a bunch of shit because what happens with her is I'll tell you in the minute as it's happening all the time what the fuck is happening, and she'll go four months ago. You and I'll be like, what's the fuck? Wait, wait, how are you? You've been holding on to this for four fucking months. Yeah. A, how do you do that? Fantastic. But B, like, that's doing you no good because yeah. I'm so I'm coming home not knowing this. Anyway, it's finding that stuff and saying, look, we can't, you can't do that to yourselves mm-hmm. because you, my big thing is if one person in a relationship has a resentment, the whole relationship is 
locked in that resentment. But how that is the content of the, you know, if someone thinks something about you and it's bad and you come home to that and, you know, even if you created the resentment, even if you were, it did, if you don't let go of it, that's the level of the room that you're in. I've, always. From being with my wife, um, she's learned that I love to talk things out straight away where she doesn't. And she's come towards me more so than, and I've sort of, you know, giving her space. But it is that dance because you are two different people with two different approaches to things. Right, it's, right. Uh, Which yeah. is what you liked about them in the first place. The right. irony yeah. of it all is like, that's what I liked about you. The stability, your ability to not let stuff freak you out in the moment, your ability to keep your head down, get things done. But at the same time, it's not super cozy, yeah. that version. And I need a lot of stroking and a lot of attention. Right. That's just the way I am. It's just the way. And I also think there's men are, I think you're finding genuinely as men become less and less uh, useful to the planet. <laughs> truly. Absolutely. Truly. Absolutely. One day we're all going to be on an island somewhere. Going, what the fuck happened, man? They got rid of us. They did it. They, they couldn't kill us. But this is where we are. We're on our own Wonder Woman island and we're all going to die here and it's going to be very messy. But you can pee wherever you want. Uh, uh, that we... Um, we're, we get... Men get, especially older, get a little lost a little mm -hmm. bit and need a little bit more like attention than than women think that we do i think a, a lot of times guys just need a little i don't even think it's sex it's just a little bit of like look i can't i would fuck here you're the guy i would fuck if i was fucking somebody right now and i think you're awesome you're still handsome and you're still my favorite yeah you can do that You'll, that being hey, you said want, can you figure it fucking out and leave me alone no that part you don't say could you you don't that's the part that makes them feel bad that's why a sensitive person you just tell them nice things and then they get it they don't need as much from you. If, but thoughts aren't facts. And I feel sometimes mm -hmm. that I'm like, if, if I'm, if I've got an idea in my head is I'm trying to work out, am I just triggered by something? And am I, if I say this thing, am I just going to trigger everyone else? And so I feel like I hold off on things where I'm like, actually, you know what? I think that I'm just being unreasonable, but I still have it in the back of my head. So I'm like, I'm trying to like connect the dots and then but something so else. Because you're actually, you're monitoring, you're, you're monitoring and taking the temperature of what's real yeah. versus what you're feeling and thinking. And that's, I mean, most people are just impulsive and mm -hmm. they just say the thing. I think most people, no, I think most people know, do the same thing. Yeah. They say it anyway. The, the wave I mean. is they're already impulsive. going, but yeah. no, they're not. They've had this, they've said, is this right? This may not be right. I'm probably wrong. I need to think about this. Let me stop and not talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I go, hey! <laughs> yeah. Right. By the way, but it, it's... it's it's uh, They can't control the impulse. Yeah. But but it's, it's, it almost doesn't feel like... Uh, because you're not being impulsive to start with. Right. But it's all of these things that add up. And then you seem more psycho because you're saying, look, I've been monitoring this situation and I've got six examples. And I think that it's really great because it's like I'm coming to the table. It's like... I wanted you to know that I've done my research and this is why you're giving right. me the shits. And the thing is, <laughs> they're then like, you're fucking crazy. Why didn't you tell me on the first one? I'm like, well, I didn't know the first one was an issue. But then when it, all these other ones. Right. I mean, so, so how, do you, how, do you how do you approach the thing of like every time you have a thought, just saying it and triggering everyone in the room? Well, why, first off, you go, why am I having this thought right now? Like mm -hmm. what's happening with me? Because I wasn't having it 10 minutes ago. The other thing is, okay, what is the evidence that I have? Right. Um, uh, what is, is the evidence I have? And then I go, okay, do I know that to be true? Do I know it to be a fact? Well, no, but it, I mean, okay, well already nobody would take that to court. Like the more you really break it down, unless you have real evidence and a real fact, you really probably just are 
in a snit about that, your feelings are hurt. There's yeah. something, there's something, fe- something's being taken from you. You feel fearful and you're going to not get what you want or you're not going to, it's not, things aren't going to work out for you. Something about this is making you afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than going to the person saying, I'm super afraid and this is what I think's happening and I could be wrong, which would make anybody go, oh, you're afraid? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. But if you come in and like, look, here's what I know. You're an asshole. Yeah. And here's what you've done. And you're like, well, I actually do this because blank, blank, and blank. Like, I didn't know that. I apologize. I was, I heard the, um, the latest episode where you talk about your bipolar and all that sort of thing. And I could Mm -hmm. actually relate to a lot of stuff. I think I've got like on the spectrum of a fucking hundred different things. But the thing that, (laughs) the thing that I was thinking about is when, uh, when you're diagnosed with something like bipolar, does it change the dynamic in the sense of how do we know when, Amira is actually doing the wrong thing. Like, like you are in the wrong Amira versus right. Greg's having a moment. Cause I feel like potentially if someone's got a diagnosis in the household, there's mental health things. It could be really easy to be like, Oh fuck, Greg's having a moment versus actually Amira's yeah. the Greg's one yeah. that's fucking up right yeah. now. That's interesting. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause when, when Greg was, was a uh, diet, cause he's, he's had, First it was high anxiety and then it was manic depression and, and, and just, you know, when he finally was, saw the neuropsychiatrist that did the whole evaluation and diagnosis, I was like, that makes everything make so much more sense Mm. because, um, you know, when, when, when you have a dynamic between two people where one person is very mercurial and one person is very. Um, I love that word. We have a thing, word of the day. Can you tell us what mercurial yeah. means, please? Mercury, mer- like mercury, so it rises and falls. Okay, right? great. So it, it's um, mercurial. It's like it just sort of takes off and then it disappears. Then it takes off and it yeah. disappears. Beautiful. I've got a real visual there. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> Seeing Painting the picture. Yeah. And and I tend to be um, relatively detached and very reasonable and grounded, right? So he's he's always been like the the dreamer and I'm like steady, Yeah. right? So whoa, 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 whoa. The steady <laughs> is like closed off, maybe. Like I think there's also those terms where you're like, well, what? what well, that's, what, what, that's what, what I'm very detached. Like I'm, I'm more detached. Like I, I'm not ruffled. I'm not easily ruffled. I'm not because easily, I, I think you the word so, credit that it makes you sound like a general standing at the fucking front of the lines when it's more of a thing of like the I receive it as you're not interested or you don't like. I think there's that. Well, the, I was just trying to answer his question. No, but I, I'm saying I was building yeah. up to answering the question. Got it. Sorry. So back to when I was getting to talk, <laughs> back to when I was getting to talk, I was, I was going to address that type of thing where I think that because historically I'm, I'm less easily ruffled. He is more mercurial that, um, I, I probably am less giving and generous, uh, in, in our dynamic or situation. So I probably trigger more than I realize I trigger or I'm being, not as um, a thoughtful, kind, and considerate, or um, soft and cuddly as would benefit both of us. The situation because I I can get a little detached or disengaged. So, um, and if you like that little exchange right there, you should listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> it's you. Maybe it's, it's you. Yeah. But I do. Yeah. I do think that my. You know, to answer one of your earlier questions, also like I, I, I am just not bothered by that many things. My my system of what I go through of like, is this real? Is it not real? Is yeah. like, how am I going to feel about this ten hours from now? Am I going to care? What about ten weeks from now? Ten years from now? Will this have any impact? But that's almost triggering right? in its in itself, right? Because right, because I'm not engaging in things because I'm like, that's ah, not a big deal. Yeah, and I guess the the other part too is it can be. 
I always wonder about the thing of saying I'm this, like this is the type of person that I am. And I've always worried that if I say this is the type of person that I am, we're setting ourselves up to be that. So like has, yes. has that been, and I guess in regards to that dynamic of, a, of, a, of an argument, if every argument is met with, I'm the cool, calm, collected, thoughtful one and the other person is, you know, a little bit more sort of unhinged or a little bit more passionate. Does it already sort of set the, set the stage to make it hard to have yeah. that conversation? Because you, you I, go ahead, man, go ahead. No, I, no, I, well, I was, I was going to say, you know, it's almost like, I, I don't know what you call them, like seesaws or yeah, teeter-totters, yeah, right? Yeah, seesaw. Like, I see it as like you need to have see and saw. You can't be both like I'm sad, me too. Yeah. I'm I'm insane, me too. Like yeah. like I really feel like there's a level of for a functional relationship you kind of need to to balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it doesn't kind of get to live or work or go or have energy. But he might not feel the same way. I do think there is a worry whenever you define yourself at all, you set yourself up for failure because, um, as you know, it's like you were like, I'm a person that has good taste. You immediately just stopped having good taste. Because <laughs> people who have good taste are open to the, the idea that things are constantly changing. Right. You know, that, that you're open to change. I heard this really smart guy. He's a, um, uh, Robin Hanson is his name, and he's a bit of an intellectual, and he's on the spectrum. And But he said, you know, uh, people uh, feel the need to talk all the time about things because they want to seem smart. But in fact, we only really know a lot about most of us about two or three things really understand. And he goes, so for most things, I just remain agnostic and I find my life's much more enjoyable when I say, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about that or I don't know enough about it to be in the conversation. So if it's a politics thing and it's out of my, like at a certain level, it's going to go beyond my scope. Mm. I have feelings about him. I mean, if I think when you're telling people your feelings, they might be like, okay, well, your feelings, but to really understand something. So it's, it's a hard thing to to say, look, I, I don't want to just be the mercurial one and I don't want to just be the dreamy one. And I have moments of steadiness. I've held jobs. I've worked. I've done things, you know, um, um, so that make me feel like that is a quality that I possess. In our dynamic, it falls that way. But I think I don't have any other person I've lived with for 18 years. So I think you get in these grooves yourself and you also indulge in them a little bit. And you're like, well. I don't know why she didn't expect me to get upset. I am the mercurial one. <laughs> you know, I mean, it says on my thing mercurial. So I feel like I gave her a little bit of what she expected yeah. from me. Uh, and she gave me exactly that because uh, I haven't talked to her in four days. Since, we just, so. we just, well, we fall into the roles, I guess, in some in some regards. Yeah, in Australia, there's you know a lot of talk around stigma of mental health. For you, Greg, when you got the diagnosis of bipolar, mm-hmm. is that something that you, I know you talked about it in your podcast, so mm-hmm. it is very public, but is it something that you're apprehensive about because other people will talk about it or you're thinking other people are going to... St- I think it, it will explain some things for some people, but I've, I, in my head it made it a lot easier because I was like, okay, so this has a name and it has qualities and it has something I can study and look at and understand. And it also, um, there's bipolar 1 and bipolar 2 and bipolar 2, which is a lesser version of it and it's it can be more environmental than chemical um uh, but then i have an understanding of it and how the, the different ways to be aware of it also it, it, for me it's less about what the public knows and more about the people around me who are like okay because i thought dude okay you know that sort of thing or explains like 
he didn't call me back for three days. I'm like, yeah, I didn't pick up the phone for three days. You know, yeah. I, you know, and then, and that, I think we get really, I was saying this to me the other day. I think as we go on, we start to, you know, that guy was kind of a dick to me. Yeah. Well, dude, he's somewhere on the spectrum because he doesn't know how to make eye contact or say hi. <laughs> you know, there's little versions of it throughout all of people's, like most people's chemistry has some, everybody has some little bit of OCD and people have little rituals that's where rituals and superstitions and things come from. And so we have to remember sometimes like it isn't personal. That guy doesn't know how to talk to you. He's afraid. He's embarrassed, you know, whatever. But we really, we really like to make ourselves like, well, I, I, uh, so hopefully for me, it'll explain sort of like, um, when things seem odd or off, you know? Um, yeah. And I think, I think it helps, it helps for the children and I, because there, there are times when, um, when you can go, oh, he's not trying to be this difficult. He he, he, he he's he is trapped in a thing where he he's not he is not trying to suck all the air from the room and make everybody unhappy or weirded out. He can't stop it, and it'll hopefully pass shortly. But, yeah, and certain things pacify you, which is nothing. Yeah. It's not like you're just super depressed and you're in the dark all the time. Yeah, you sometimes if you're just like I got a Netflix for like four, hours, I'm just or I'm just on YouTube. <laughs> looking at how to make movies or something because I, it, it anesthetizes you. It gives you, you've got a place to go. Yeah. It makes you feel better. You're not actually out engaging with people. You're not going to be all prickly and you're not going to be weird. Sometimes you don't want to go out. Like you feel like, you know, when it's not a good time to see people. And so, right. but it's not, again, you're not like, uh, it's not like you're in a continual state of suicidal uh, ideation. You're just, man, I'm not right. Mm -hmm. And you know what really feels good is one more video about David Fincher's <laughs> lighting. I just need to know. It always moves yeah. the camera at the same time, but he stays away. The Coen brothers come in real tight. Like <laughs> right. your brain is open to yeah. that. And your brain wants to like, let's digest something different. Let's right. do something. Let's write. Yeah. You can, you can withdraw and get very obsessive. Is, yeah. is the, having a pacifier, like does that mean that you can use technology in a positive way? Like, do you think there's too much stigma to technology at the moment where we're saying, don't do that sort of shit. And we're actually creating more, more issues because the thing that's going to make you feel better we're sort of shunning or I think they haven't discussed I don't think I think it's all such new days but when I look at things like I also write fiction and I do that usually when I'm in some usually when I wake up but if I'm in a state where things aren't good but my brain's going if I just start a story it'll just go and some of them are kind of all over the place but I get no place where I'm, I'm in here now and I'm creating characters and I'm doing this thing and none of it has a goal I'm not trying to make I'm not trying to sell this I'm not trying to I'm just trying to outlet I'm just trying to find a place where I can be and not bother anybody and maybe channel it into some sort of creativity you know I tried to sh I shot a trailer on my phone trying to teach myself how to use a, a, a real camera because I thought well I, I need something to do with my time when yeah. I go through those phases and and it's been very productive so I think there's something about it that can be managed if it is treated that way I think people look at that and go he's watching a lot of television I, that's uh, usually that's not what it is there's yeah. something about you know that state yeah i mean there's that uh, quote which is we judge others on their actions and us on our intentions <gasps> and yeah. do you think that if greg is in a state where he's not feeling good but his intentions aren't negative what should partners be putting up with the negative actions well, that, if the well, intentions that, went can i tell you that 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 is something that still is something that we are working through because I know he's not a monster and he doesn't have bad intentions, but sometimes the actions or the words or the behaviors or the thing are, are very difficult to um, make peace with. They're very difficult to be peaceful. They're diff very difficult. Like, you know, he can be 
um, really like ca- caught up in, in in you know the a really deep dark down of bipolar and and it can all be channeled at me and and it's conspiracy theory and there's paranoia and there's delusion and there's anger and the next day he's like we're good right and I'm like I hate your guts like I can't fucking stand you yeah. because I am still Feeling, feeling the, you know, I was a punching bag all day yesterday and today you woke up and your brain felt good, but I am still like trying to get rid of the yuck. Yeah. Like, so it's, it's hard because I, I do know that it's, it's, um, it's not real. Also, just so that people listen, is. this is like the Mel Gibson movie. I'm not, I'm not a tin hat conspiracy theory. No, no, no. It's that no, thing where you go, like where you, you go. Work, I haven't been, works. I haven't, you know, I haven't been, uh, I haven't been asked to go to Largo for a while. <laughs> and uh, maybe Flanagan doesn't think that, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what happened. I mean, maybe it's been me. You know, you just start trying to figure out what you're trying right. to figure out. Mm-hmm. What am I in this mess for? Social I mean, media think, does that. Like, I, I can get to a point where I'm like, ah, that person hasn't liked my post lately. Maybe. I'm going to go through all my photos and see the last time. Right. Did they, they mute my... me? Did they yeah, mute yeah. me? And, and I don't even know that they muted go, me. Okay. Maybe I'll go into the activities and see like, are they liking other people's stuff? <laughs> and like, so, <laughs> so, so and, and what's, and what sort of stuff are they like? Like, am I, are they liking stuff that would be, maybe they're just off holiday photos. Maybe they don't want any holiday photos. Maybe that's why they're not liking <laughs> oh any of their stuff. And so like do, is social media, is it, has that happened with you or am I uh, well, no, in not another a, league? No, <laughs> no, that's no, great. no, no. But I understand the I understand every thought you just said. That isn't mm. where I go for that kind of stuff because I don't. My, most of my friends are, you know, because I'm older. So uh, any of my friends are that are. If you don't get social. a letter, is that yeah, 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 letter. But also, like, just yeah, I, for me, it's the things that I don't know anything about. You know, like I, I you know, if a social media feed, I can sort of understand. It gives me sometimes it gives me peace. Mm. Like I'll be obsessing about somebody, and then I'll see their posting. Oh, they're fucking not even here. They don't. They moved. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with me? Or they've been on the road or they didn't like, yeah. are they, Oh my God, that guy's sick. Yeah. Right. So that, that, but I try not to, I don't try to get too involved there. now that my kids are on social media, I try to keep my, my presence just sort of focused on work, you know? Um, um, and I, and the only reason I do it is cause everyone's like, you gotta have a, you're supposed to have a, but I, I prefer less information. I'd be super happy with a landline and nothing else. Really? <laughs> I really would. I really would. How and do you that, go with kids being your kids? Specifically, being able to, you know, c- um, consume this stuff that we're talking about. You know, they they really none of them have gotten into podcasting yet. Yeah. They're not they're not interested. But they also have very busy lives with you know school, cheer, dance, homework, friends. Like they they you know their social media interests are mostly Instagram and Snapchat, and they communicate with their friends through Snapchat mostly. And that's a hard thing to. True, we'll do our homework with a friend, and the friend will be doing homework, and they'll just be on each other's screens, and that person will just be there with her. And sometimes they don't talk, and sometimes, sometimes they do, they do homework they together, the but they both have headsets and on, and they're FaceTiming. There's, face there. there's yep. a few people on the screen. It's a, like, the funny thing is, wild. they're preparing themselves for the workforce of today because yeah. I used to work at a tech company. And you, remote work, that's literally the sort of shit that you would do. You'd have people, could, if they're working remotely, you could have your webcam set up. And at the 
a HQ at the office, you could just see pe- remote people working, and that was the the actual connection yeah. that they had. I'd be picking my nose too much. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd <laughs> yeah, definitely get caught doing something. Yeah, yeah. Tommy, yeah, no. what does that mean to me? But the, the Tommy <laughs> does have the uh, the the bit of sticker, like the um, the gaffer tape over the webcam. Yeah. Never know when they're watching. Never know when they're watching. Oh, I have the little – there's these things that you can buy where you can slide it to cover it and unslide it and I keep it on my computer closed constantly. I've seen in America quite a few screens in cafes. Oh, yeah. You've got to keep that. But they're all listening. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they are. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane where you have a conversation and then you go to your Instagram and I was like, I didn't mention that movie. You mentioned that movie. (laughs) That's – yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But then you go – but then you go, ah, fuck, you know what? Look, uh, the the everybody's watching thing – Sort of is that thing of like, and you know what? If everyone's watching, they must be bored as fuck if we're who they picked. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I, even people having your information, you sort of like, there's a point where you go, it's all sliding downhill. It Once it becomes everybody, so people know, so like, like we're just, not, we're not as titillated anymore. When was the last time a naked celebrity made anywhere near the front page of anything? Nobody cares. Yeah. Like nobody cares anymore. I've seen, is that a vagina? They see about that person's a vagina. It's exciting. I, I knew that before. I saw vaginas <laughs> a long time ago. Paris Hilton, anybody? Okay. I could have so, drawn one. It was, would have been pretty close to what, what that one is. There is, a, <laughs> there is a little bit of like the shock factor starting to wear off. The Kardashians couldn't make a move today. They, they're lucky they got in when they did. They're, you know, it's, um, um, uh, there's a little bit of, you know, um, there's also a malaise about it. That's why I think the Russians are everywhere and we're in trouble, but, um, the, it does feel like we don't care as much about that stuff. And I don't think people are, I don't think your generation is as punishing on people. Like when, if somebody, let's say somebody you worked with had a sex tape, I feel like people would be like, I don't care. They're, they're yeah. fun. I and care. I work, and I only work with Tommy, so we know whose sex tape it would be. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, mine would look like I remember watching a film with Seth Rogen doing like a sex scene, and they had the behind shot. I'm like, that's what I look like, <laughs> which is so, yeah. which is which is quite confronting. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I had a friend who goes, uh, I the reason I've never made a sex tape is I didn't want to watch my <laughs> wife suck a fuck a bag of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Amira, did you? I, I heard an interview where you were talking about your parents worked for the CIA. My mother Your worked mom? for the CIA and my father worked for the State Department. But yeah, they both they both worked for the government. Yeah. How, how, how they were listening back then. Yes, for sure. I really do feel like they're like I they're both so smart and they're both so funny and they're both yeah. a little quiet and I feel like And they're both so cautious too. But I feel like they're what, like, if, they know what shit. if your mom yeah, maybe your mom's killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying like we wouldn't the, she's exactly who we wouldn't think would do something That's like true. that for the government. Perfect That's person true. to do it. Yeah. 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 No, there was, there was a lot of, I really, I, we really were not allowed to know a lot of what either of them did. Mm -hmm. And, and there was a lot of caution in the house. There was a lot of using code words and landlines and things had to be done. I have a friend who were listening to the podcast and he, he wrote me and he said, my dad too, I can't talk about it over the, over, over this, but let's have lunch. Yeah. He's like, I can't, I can't talk about it in text yeah no i know we used to always joke that if you know my because my parents are still quite sure that we're all being 
surveilled, which we are because there's microphones all over this. You know, my, my, I have a smart TV. We're being listened to by my television, by my Alexa, and by all of our phones. We're being listened to constantly now. And they know something we don't. So we should be trusting them in the sense that that's what's the fucked up bit. Yeah. Right? If you're listening, let's just give Greg another job. Yeah. About, like, <laughs> exactly. That's all we want. Hey, yeah. If it means listeners to our podcast, we'll take exactly. it, right? We actually want exactly. people to listen. Yeah. Right. How many smart devices do you have in the house? Because we yeah. can count the amount of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> it's But it's true. Like, yeah. it's funny because I, I, uh, um, I, I happened to spend the day with Johnny Ive last year, who is like the chief design officer of, of Apple. Apple. Yeah. And he invented all of our things. And he was saying, he was like, oh yeah, there's, there's, cause I, cause I was saying, tell me if this is true. I was talking about something. I didn't go on anything. And then next time I opened my computer, I was. You're retargeted. Yeah. Oh yeah. You had. And he was like, oh yeah. He was like, he was really like the whole reason Apple didn't. That whole thing where Apple wouldn't unlock the phone for mm. the San Bernardino, whatever. He's like, they had all the information. They wanted the precedent of us giving it to him, but they were listened to constantly. We're, it's all they've solved crimes based on people's Alexas and that have recorded that recorded murders and stuff like that. Like it just is all happening. But when I was growing up and none of that existed, yeah. we would always joke like the people in the white van have hung themselves out of boredom from listening to our household already. There's no (laughs) way. There's no way. Talking about um, Melbourne before, Mm. it was in Melbourne that you had a health scare, wasn't it? Was it in Melbourne where you had the... Yeah, the last time I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Can you you tell us what, you know, we think about... you know, things like car rental shit not working when you're traveling. (laughs) When your body starts to fucking shut down on you? I mean, I've been like... I've been fair, like, you know, for most of my life, I've been, I haven't spent a lot, I haven't spent a lot of time in hospitals. Mm. And, um, uh, and I had gone to my doctor before I went and I said, I've been having these stomach aches and they're, you know, they're, they're pretty intense. Uh, they sort of come and go. I feel like sometimes I have when I lay down, but, um, uh, and so he took, he did everything you would do, uh, in an exam and said, uh, I don't know, everything looks okay, but, uh, maybe you got some acid reflux. So I was like, okay. So they gave me some Nexium and I went off to do 30 days of a show, which uh, thankfully cut off by cancer. Uh, <laughs> cut off by cancer. Uh, early were okay. But anyway, so I, um, I just started to get kind of progressively worse. And weirdly enough, I was reading the the bass player from Guns N' Roses has a, a Duff had a biography and I was reading it, autobiography. And we, uh, and I was laying in bed and I'm like, man, this is really, just starting to really hurt. Uh, and what's kind of nice is when you go to Melbourne, if you have a show somewhere, they assign you a person who's sort of your envoy and is the show sort of, they sort of run the show and, the, and, uh, you can call them for anything. Um, and, uh, I called me and they sent a doctor over and the guy gave me some Valium and I was like, okay. And then that didn't do anything. And then that night I was like, well, I don't mean to bug you again, man, but I think I'm, my pancreas might've exploded because in Duff McKagan's book, his pancreas explodes and he goes, when your pancreas explodes, you have an hour because all of the juice inside of there is burning up all your organs. And that's what it felt like. I was like, this is what's happening because it is, it's insanely painful. I've never been through anything like that. A doctor told me once, he said, I had a woman who gave birth to triplets that also had that and said it was worse than childbirth. So I was like, I mean, and I don't know that that's pretty grand and totally different, but anyway, it was very painful and they picked me up and I went to the hospital and they took me right away and put me right in. They were like, I was like, I, I was in so much pain. I didn't know whether to scream or cry or not. I couldn't do anything. And they hit me up with some drugs. And then uh, I took a little heroin nap and because uh, <laughs> they ate me morphine, nothing, morphine, nothing. They gave me a outed. And then when I woke up, they'd put me through the MRI and they'd found a cluster of tumors in my intestine. 
which my whole thing is, uh, I said, well, if you're going to hear cancer, uh, better from an Australian than an American because you <laughs> go up on your R's. It's the cancer. ultimate cluster. Just the way you say it sounds better. So, say cancer. Yeah. Cancer. Yeah. Cancer. Cancer goes yeah. up. Yeah. It's we say cancer. Er, down. Yeah. yeah. More positive. Yeah. Positive. And uh, so, and the guy was young, super young, and- um, and, uh, chill about. Were they pretty chill, the Australians, in the way that they they told told very, you? The guy was like, "Look, you have this uh, uh, cluster of uh, tumors uh, that we we don't know if they're cancer, but they could be cancer." And I was like, "Slightly South African, uh, yeah, little, yeah no, no, it's awful. We, we can't. It's no, it's awful." And uh, and I anyway, so I said, um, uh, "Well, uh, you know, I've had a nice life." And he goes, "Well, we're not uh, picking out tombstones, mate. Just uh, you need to go home." And I was so high at that point, and you know, I was staying there, and I was like, back to my apartment. He goes, "No, to America is where you're from," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, oh, I gotta go to, back to America." And so uh, they gave me a box of oxycontin and uh, put me on the airplane. And some syringes. You had to inject yourself so you didn't oh, have blood wow. clots. Yeah, they, on the yeah, airplane. They tell you that information. You're like, they're like, here's a box of oxycontin, like a box, like a like a box full With of sleeves of it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. It's like a street value. <laughs> you probably. thought you like hit the lottery? Like, yeah. Well, so I didn't sell this, but I probably shouldn't. And um, <laughs> And uh, and the, the, then they said, oh, and you need to shoot yourself with these. Those are needles. And I was like, in my, I mean, like in your belly, uh, because uh, you might have a blood clot on the plane and die. And but I'm, you're so amenable. You're like, oh well, I mean, if it's going to be the plane, why not? And, and Amira, uh, what were you thinking? What's what's your side of the story? When well, he, call, he called me. It was actually he called me on our daughter's. It was her tenth birthday. She's thirteen now. It was her tenth birthday. And he was in Australia and we were actually like for her birthday, we'd gone to Palm Springs for the weekend with uh, another family who, you know, were close for the, for the kids' birthdays. And he called me up and he was like, so, hey, I'm in the hospital and I'm really high and um, I think I might have cancer. So they're sending me home. Can And I'm supposed to bring a disc and you're supposed to pick me up and take me to Cedars. And I was like... Okay, got it. I'm on it. And I went straight into, because I've been trained. I was raised by government operatives. <laughs> I go straight into You've like. You've been listening to his phone the whole time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. They, exactly. That's all the stuff been coming up yeah. in your feed for. It no, but it's that thing of like, I, I didn't, I didn't get, I, like I straight, I was like, all right, I got it. Yeah. Send me the information and I'll be there. Like I just went straight into like function mode. And it was funny question? I called my manager and I told him and he bawled. And yeah. I was like, dude, did you get the, give your script to Amira. <laughs> She's supposed to cry, and you're supposed to get me out of is here. Is there tension in that? Is it? Do you find guilt in like why? Am, why don't I care? Or is it? Or is it coming from a caring place? Obviously. It, well, I, I, I just, I, I am the person that holds it together in a crisis and keeps it together and makes it up. Like I, I'm the person when shit goes down. You want me driving the the vehicle. Yeah. Like I am very. I, it, it's literally like I completely just go into survival function brain. Like I, why do you think from your childhood? I think, think it's from my childhood. Cause I think that I, I think that I was raised in a manner so that I don't freak out. Like I don't panic. I don't freak out. I remain very calm. I remain very composed and I don't, I don't, just if you're listening and you're, uh, either it's of you not are planning his favorite have, thing about me to have cancer, uh, your cancer, your, 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 you, as the person who doesn't have cancer, you need to have an emotional response so yeah. the other person can go, no, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Because you're, you yes. want to be able to say, if you're okay, why are you okay with it? I mm -hmm. have cancer. Yeah. So I, you want 
to be able to uh, help other people through it. You know, you sort of want to be able to, look, let's not have a lot of tears. We're going to get through this. If you don't get that, you feel like you're not taking this seriously. Right. I mean, they, yeah. you know, I mean, people were like, to be fair, those guys were chill, but they're also like, get straight to a hospital. Right. Go get off the airplane, go nowhere but to the thing because the tumors were growing very fast. And while they were, they were cutting they off were, the blood supply to his um, intestines and bowels. So they're like, yeah, it needs to be dealt with immediately. Yeah. Do you think and it could spread? But it, but they're also they're they're if he, one shot of chemo will probably knock them all out. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, the doctors are very much like if you're good. Oh, you've got the good kind. If you're gonna have it, like this is one of the best ones yeah, to have. It responds to chemo really, really well. Like, but but anyway, so I, I and I t and I also tend to be somebody that like I take my. I take my cue from information rather than emotions. Mm. Like if you tell me it's the good kind and it responds and he's going to be fine. I'm like, great. He's so going to be fine. Here's the fun story. So I, I, uh, <laughs> that's not what he wanted. I pack. So I had to, um, uh, I, I had like uh, 12 hours before my flight. So, um, I did a show with yeah. uh, Will Anderson and, um, um, you know, we did our thing called the super pod, which is our podcast and Tofop. Did you talk about it on there? Mm -hmm. A little yeah. bit. And, uh, good Dave and they were all, like they were all teary and stuff. And I was still high as a guy. I was like, fellas, come on, knock it off. Yeah. Let's, it's all going to be okay. I went to the airport. I'd packed, uh, color coded all my clothes. And then I, but I brought a knife with me, uh, which that you're not allowed to take those through. No. Uh, like a Swiss backpack. army knife or something? Yeah. Yep. In my backpack. And then they were like, we, the lady said, uh, yeah, you're not supposed to bring a knife through security in an airplane. And, uh, so she goes, I'm after it. And I said, Oh, I, uh, I have cancer. And she went, uh, I don't know what to say. Um, I can give you a hug, but I, I still yeah. I got to take the knife. Yeah. <laughs> was that your first use of <laughs> the cancer as, as a way to like get yes. free Starbucks yes. coffee? Well, and I didn't play the cancer card. And yeah. and it was, I think I said I might have cancer, but I, I but I at that point I was like, would it help if I might have cancer? Because I thought the yeah. knife was going to make me, they're going to have to take me out of line and go put me, I was going to be in trouble. Yeah, you know? sure. So right. I just thought, well, I'll tell her right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and by the way, that does, you tell anybody you have cancer, no matter what you're doing, they might go, oh, people feel very badly for you. Um, anyway, I got on the airplane and my manager had meant to come with me, but they put me in first class and they put him in coach. And I had said, because I am a, a drug addict and alcoholic, I'd said, hey, listen, you know, you, I want you to have the drugs and then you just give them to me when it's time. So I sat next to this fellow on the plane. He was very nice. And, um, uh, and uh, he was in the band, um, Switch Switchfoot. Switchfoot. And they had, do you know Switchfoot? I don't know any. They're like I'm, a big Christian rock and roll band, but they're also a bunch of surfers. And that's yeah. all they, and that's Switchfooting is surfing. And they, oh, that's yeah. all they do is surf. And I said to the guy, listen, uh, uh, I might, uh, I'm very high. And I might touch your chest at some point or walk around without my, like, just, would you just keep an eye on me? And then every six hours, if, would you just remind me to take the pill? And, uh, and uh, he was very sweet. And then he told me he was in a band. I was like, oh, that's so great. How come it's not a band I know? And, um, <laughs> you know, why isn't it Jack White? But Jack White probably wouldn't have been that nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he was very lovely. And he walked me to the, he said, I'll help you get your bags. He took me to baggage claim. And he helped me get my bags. And I bent down to get them. I turned around. He fucking disappeared. Like he had never been there. I mean, there were still lots of people. Like he was just, it was just me and How him. How high were you at that point? I mean, I was high the whole time. And I was like, but why would I, if, if I'm going to have a, if I'm going to have like a waking fantasy, why yeah, the guy yeah. from Switchfoot? Like even <laughs> in my own dreams, I disappoint myself just a little bit. Yeah, just wow. a little bit. Yeah. But he was lovely. And he so said, what, I said a prayer for you. You're going to be fine. And then I bent down to pick up my bags and he was gone. And he was like gone. Like an wow. angel. And so where are you at now? 
I, it's been two years so far, so good. Th- three years, right? It was 2015. Yeah. Four years. Well, something. It's 2015. Yep. Right. So, Is it? so you're you're actually right about. It's October, so. About midway through this month is your third year, three-year yeah. cancer-free marker. Yeah, Do you right. Know what, what I because you had like six months of treatment, you had surgery, and then six rounds of chemo yeah. every three weeks. When I listened to maybe it's you the first time, it was sort of the first thing I'd consumed after you sort of had the diagnosis and gone through mm-hmm. it all. And what I was surprised at is, even if when you go through cancer and all that sort of thing, I would have thought that all the trivial shit goes away in the sense of like you just like become a bit fucking booted but i'm like oh my god they're fighting they're they're still fighting that really (laughs) dumb shit and greg potentially could have died i'm with you on that one man somebody else said to me that's you're not the only person said that guy goes oh but she had cancer and it fixed everything no sir it did not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it, it did and i thought that one too i really leaned into the cancer when yeah. i got it so i thought well this will be helpful but was there was there any moments like when you're nearly in a car crash and then for the next little bit you drive safely did you have a period of like everything was good i'm gonna gonna be all good in life and then heightened gratitude yeah exactly was there did you have a sense of heightened gratitude did, amira did, did you, you appreciate greg more after I, after I, that it's interesting yeah. i'm very compartmentalized so i I had gratitude. I have gratitude most of the time. I had gratitude. Like, you know, when I said that to that doctor, I felt like, it, like I've had a nice life. I have a nice life. I'm like, look, if I had to go now, it was 50, right? I got, I got uh, 50 some odd years out of this. I have two beautiful kids. Their, their best parent is alive, so they'll be fine. They, you <laughs> and know, you were still alive. Yeah, I've done, a bunch of really right. cool, I've done a bunch of yeah. really cool stuff that yeah. I am proud of. I did not try. I mean, I definitely tried. I definitely went for it. And I... A cheap thing, you know, I, I did stuff probably, you know, a lot of people would love to be able to do. So in that respect, I, I don't feel cheated at mm-hmm. all. Uh, I wish my, you know, we had gone through some tough times and we hadn't quite solved our problems. And so I felt like, I wish that would have gotten better. Um, but maybe she'll meet somebody nice. I was very high. <laughs> and uh, No, I really did. So I had gratitude and I have it for, um, uh, I've had it for, um, Certain areas of my life. That's the best I can do on that one. I I would say of course of course I definitely have gratitude. You know that he came through it. It was healthy. But the thing that's so interesting, and and I think you you saw it here today, is there still is those habits that you have when you're in a long term relationship. Like he still is annoyed at me at the way I dealt with him having cancer. Yeah. Or received the information, and I still am like. Annoyed with him, like, why can't I receive it the way I received it? Like, it's that thing of like. Do you have to shut that off though for a bit? Is but it, it like? But it is that thing. Well, like, it just is a habit of being yeah. a long term couple. Like, well, you could have gotten a little bit more upset. Well, we're why telling do you. It, care? We're why telling do you. Care it, how we're I telling it as a story in real right? time. That yeah. was my that was my response to it. I mean, right. obviously, you know, if I was that annoyed with it, we would yeah. be together. I mean, we're not being forced to do this. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but you still have you still have those you know little peccadillas that you have just from being in a long term relationship where you still. You know, something can be fine. And you're still going to pick it at a little and be like, you know. Yeah, it'd be weird. It'd the other nice, way. It'd be nice if you would, you know. <laughs> no, it's true. And I think it would almost be weird. Like, did you find that people, some people go weird? Like when you like talking a- about cancer, talking about all that sort of shit. Like, you know, w- what advice do you have for people who have someone in their life that has cancer? What's the wrong approach? The, the Well, usually... Le- Look to see what that you can tell what they want out of it. A lot of people get real private about it. It's, it's a real private thing. And also they don't want people to see them. It's there's an element of it that 
you know, speaks to your vanity and how you're going to be. But what they don't want is for you to be like, you want to show that you are concerned and that they matter a lot. And you want to tell them that they matter a lot on that, but they don't need you to be in more of a state than they are. Some people go, Oh, I'm going to be in this play and I'm the person whose partner has cancer. Yeah. And then you're like, that play doesn't really work. You want them to be able to say, Hey, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through it. Well, um, I think a lot of people also want to, they, they don't want to be seen as somebody who's sick. Like they don't want to be, it's to define them suddenly. Like, no, I'm still the same cool person with. I was just happy to have the work. I knew what I was doing. I had a thing. I'm the guy with cancer. I'm upstairs. I got this room for at least six months. I know what I'm, nobody's expecting anything from me. If I do anything, everyone's going to be thrilled. My manager yes. will be thrilled if I write something. And yeah, I, and be like, I oh did. my God, he came downstairs. Yeah, yeah. I'm available oh, to watch. Look at you downstairs. Uh, yeah, yeah, People no, cheer when you walk. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. You get perfect. all kinds of pajamas. Yeah, you really sort of handled that eating thing that you had a problem first with. First class? Like when else are you going to fly first That's class? Right. That's right. Oh man, they were, God, I wish those people were lovely. Greg, did it take you anywhere in your head that you hadn't been before. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'm less, I'm not afraid to die. I know that sounds ridiculous. I mean, I, the, I don't, the, I don't think of death as of it particularly. Um, it, 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 it is not, um, I don't know. It doesn't scare me. It scared me before it happened. I was like, I'd wake up and go, it's going too well for me. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't want to. I mean, I mean, my life is going really good and I would really not like to die. And then after this, I was like, man, I, I need to be, grateful for what I have and it is not that big a deal you know uh, because all you have is it, it's really hard when you like, you have the moment that's it so you don't really know what happened before or gone and people will miss you but you won't know it I always go like you know when you go to sleep that's exactly what it's like there's a lot yeah. of stuff happens when you're asleep and yeah. you don't know it and you don't worry about it I never am sleeping going do they like me? Are they saying good things about me? I'm just out. <laughs> How did my service go? Was I, what did they put on my team? Are they thinking about me now? I bet she's not thinking about me now. You know, like I don't, <laughs> I, I think it, uh, you know, and there may be some other thing that happens on the other side, but whatever it is. Um, so that makes me um, feel also like I have a thing with the mirror sometimes where I feel like, look, I don't, I've had a few health scares, so I don't know how long this goes and I'd like to solve our problems and get through it or, or not and move on because I don't feel like uh, we have the time to be unhappy or make each other feel shitty, you know, in any relationship, you never do. You don't have the, if you know you're the problem or if you know that it could be better, you know, fix it or do the person a favor, you know? So I think that, I don't think I thought that before. I thought I was owed a lot I think, before a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> Amira and Greg, thanks so much for your well, I was openness. Bring death to the party. But, yeah, I know no. it's really cool. Well, I think it's cool that like that's what I love about uh, maybe it's you is that you can sit back and listen, and it's almost a way like it's therapeutic. And I think that probably the next best thing from having the conversation is listening to the conversation and be being able to connect dots and see. Well, hang on, like the, that thing that Greg does, I can actually really relate to that. Sure. And maybe, and also that feeling of not being alone, right? That everyone is experiencing all the different colors and shades of life. The one thing I realized in every situation, which is, and, and, and there's a million you'd go back and do, and it was the best thing I've ever heard. And it was an interview with Josh Brolin and it was on other podcasts, but they said to him, uh, you know, he was talking about working in a movie with Denzel Washington and he said, he said, I didn't know Denzel. It was our first time working together and, and it was, you know, it was his movie. I'm just a part of it. And I was waiting there for him to show up. And he finally came and well, I went to go to the thing and I blew my line. And I went to say, oh, what was my line? I put my hand on his shoulder and he goes, get your fucking hand off my shoulder. And he goes, now that could have ruined everything. 
You know, here's this guy telling me that. He goes, part of me is, you know, just being a young guy, I want to fucking slug him. Yeah. And well, that's going to ruin my career. And then part of me is like, I could, you know, if I, if I take this personally, I'm not going to be able to finish this movie or I'll get cut out of it. And so I, he really thought about it. And then when they got back together, they had to shoot a thing when they were sort of far apart and weren't supposed to talk. We're just looking at each other. And about right before they started to shoot, he looked up and went, I think I'm falling in love with you. And it, cha- and he, and it changed the whole, his whole way of approaching the solution to the problem, which is I'm not less than you, but I'm not going to match you. I'm going to be funny about it. I'm yeah. going to take it to another place. And also, you remember, you're meant to love people. So he made Denzel laugh, and they've been great friends ever since. And I think sometimes you just have to take a minute and go, what are the possibilities for what I'm about to say? And I don't do that enough, maybe, but I do think that is the real, our reactions, that's all we have. It's choose your own adventure, like, essentially. Oh, that's, it really is. A hundred percent of the time in anything. You can change your life if you have the, have the ability to be able to go, I'm going to do it different. I got, the thing I do all the time seems to never get mm. the right response, you know? And sometimes somebody else is not going to change their way. And then you go, oh, they're going to always give me that response. So my, I may just not need to show up to be there. Yeah. It's like the fact that we have that choice, right? The only thing that we can control is our responses That's to all it. those things. That's it. Oh, you don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes a response is like not responding at all, right? Yeah. 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 That's right. If you choose not to show up to a fight, yeah, you're right. That yeah. that is that is, that is actually uh, um yeah, that's great. Maybe it's you is the podcast. It's weekly, every it's week. Weekly, every Tuesday. Does, Every see that's perfect. This is what's good about having you've got like a professional operation. Is just I love podcasts that are consistent, and I love that on my phone. Like I haven't even realized what day you do it, but I just pull out my phone, and it seems every single time I've got and the there app we I are. Download. It's perfect. Yeah, it's the Daily Talk Show. Hi at thedailytalkshow dot com. If you want to send us an email, thank you, Amira and Greg. Thanks for coming to our home and, and talking us. to us. Thank you. It's been a delight. It's the Daily Talk Show. Have a good one. <laughs>